The question is whether this positive trend in which more and more countries are uh, very positive and allowing the use of the temporary on labels that, uh, on products that can be marketed at national level, the question is whether this uh, will expand or, or not. And we are, of course, looking forward to, to it. Welcome to HBW Insights Over the Counter podcast with me, David Ridley, Senior Editor, Europe. Every two weeks, I'll be speaking with a self-care industry expert or insider about a key issue in the global cosmetics, OTC medicines or dietary supplements markets. In this episode, I talk probiotics with David Pineda Ireneo, founder of DPE International Consulting and consultant to the International Probiotics Association. Since 2006, no health claims for probiotics have been allowed by harmonised European Union regulations. Even the term probiotics is considered an unauthorised health claim by the European Commission. However, as David explains, many EU member states, including Italy and Spain, are starting to go their own way, adopting a more liberal approach to this booming wellness market. We discuss what the future of EU probiotics regulation may hold, as well as some of the exciting science that is coming out all the time, pointing to the health benefits of this extremely popular ingredient. Hello, David. Hi, David. How are you doing? All right, thanks. How are you? Good, good. So, uh, so you well then? It's been about two years since we spoke last, I think. Uh, yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, well, all this time, obviously, no travels at all. Um, a lot of, uh, let's say, I used to travel a lot on uh, to uh, join international conferences on on organizations that, that develop international regulations, and all that stopped, obviously. Uh, we catch up on travel uh, after the summer, uh, but it was only in Europe, which was very refreshing. Everybody giving presentations and the first words was like how happy we are to meet in person with people. <laughs> but um, but well, what it has come on the other side very positively is that uh, the pandemic has brought a lot of uh, demand for uh, particularly supplements. Uh, people are very concerned about the immune system. So uh, there has been a lot of demand on projects to uh, analyze uh, market access. So compliance of ingredients, uh, labeling claims. So on that, uh, it has gone very, very well. So a lot of more work um, uh, in the office. <laughs> yeah, people have had a chance to do lots of homework, haven't they? Exactly. A lot of regulatory monitoring, a lot of regulatory analysis, uh, less of excitement. So my first question uh, is, yeah, has the pandemic really expanded uh, the use of probiotics uh, among consumers, first of all? Well, uh, clearly uh, consumers are very familiar with probiotics and particularly their benefits uh, on digestive health and the immune system. And indeed, uh, during the pandemic, the, the sales of uh, products have uh, increased due to, to the very, those two very, very good reasons. And what impact has this had on the, uh, on the sector and the industry? Uh, maybe also moving on to think about regulators, you know, whether this has shifted to kind of wider perception about this, this set of products. Well, the, during the pandemic, uh, the internet sales of uh, probiotics uh, have accelerated very significantly. 
uh, which uh, we believe it has uh, contributed to a very positive uh, trend among a number of European Union member states uh, towards the use of the term probiotic in food and uh, food supplements. Another aspect uh, that uh, may have contributed uh, to this trend is the discussion at the international level on a proposal to develop a codex guidelines on probiotics for use as an ingredient in foods and food supplements. The discussion on this proposal is still ongoing. Uh, it is worth uh, highlighting uh, this point that uh, the discussion so far has made it clear that the use of the term uh, probiotic is very well recognized uh, globally among consumers and regulators. Yeah, so should we go back a little bit um, just for, for maybe people that are listening that are just joining this um, <clears throat> whole issue? So first of all, what's the problem with probiotics um, from a regulatory point of view or from the point of view of companies trying to operate in this environment? Uh, well, the, if we look at um, the European Union, uh, when we look at uh, the opportunities uh, in the market to provide information to consumers about uh, products containing the products, the EU legislation uh, doesn't specify uh, any specific uh, labeling provisions for uh, providers. Uh, on the one hand, the EU regulation requires the pre-market authorization of the nutrition and health claims that are used in foodstuffs, including uh, food supplements. And this has resulted in a system of harmonized positive list of um, nutrition and uh, health claims in the EU. In the EU. As, uh, as we know at present, there is only one health claim approved in the EU linking uh, live microorganisms, uh, that is live cultures in yogurt or fermented milk with improved lactose digestion. However, no health claim specific to probiotics has been authorized in the EU. Uh, and as a result of it, the European Commission has considered the term probiotic to be an, an unauthorized health claim that cannot be used in food labeling. Uh, nevertheless, the name of the specific bacteria or um, the microorganism culture uh, may be included in the list of ingredients of the food or food supplement. That is basically the origin of the challenge uh, right now. Uh, what we see is that this interpretation of the European uh, Commission has been uh, during the first steps of the implementation of the application of the EU regulation on nutrition health claims and health claims has been uh, followed by uh, several uh, member states. Uh, however, Italy and the Czech Republic uh, have been permitting the use of the term probiotic. In addition, uh, Italy uh, allows food and food supplements containing probiotics to claim that it promotes the intestinal floral balance. And then more recently now is where we are seeing this positive trend where there is a number of EU member states that formally uh, have published a position in which they are allowing the use of the term uh, probiotic uh, in the products. That is the case of uh, Spain, which has published uh, an opinion uh, in which they, they, they refer to, uh, to applying the European Union principle of mutual recognition. Denmark also has published an opinion allowing the use of, of uh, the term probiotic in supplements only, and the Netherlands as well uh, for use in general as well. Uh, they, they have indicated that whereas there is no statement published by the European Commission, they will uh, allow it.
it is worth highlighting that Denmark also has formally requested the European Commission to come up with a, a statement, a formal statement on, on their interpretation and, and position. Uh, informally, you also see that uh, other member states have um, uh, are allowing uh, the use of uh, of uh, pro the term of prolex, which is the case of Bulgaria, Greece, Malta, or Poland. They have not published, um, let's say, a formal position, but they are formally allowing it. On the other hand, uh, we also see um, uh, some products on the market, like in the case in Belgium. Uh, and France, some products which are uh, including in their label the term product, but there there is no formal or any communication from the authorities, but you can see it on the on the market at, at present. So basically, in principle, because of the uh, the EU regulations um, around uh, nutritional health claims, you you can't put probiotic on your product basically on the on the label of your product but you can now in some countries and increasingly so actually do that uh, within a national framework uh, exactly the, the situation is that because the european food safety authority has not uh, provided a positive opinion uh, in, in terms of uh, health relationship between uh, prolific and the, and the health relationship that was uh, that was claimed, uh, and any approved health claim, the European Union requires the positive opinion by EFSA. Uh, the European Commission made uh, they come out with their own interpretation to consider the term prolific as such an, an unauthorized uh, health claim. This interpretation has been followed. Uh, since the beginning, so we're talking about 2006 when the, the EU regulation on nutrition health claims was approved, was followed by, by many EU member states, uh, with the exception of Italy and the Czech Republic, as I mentioned, that they are uh, allowing the use of the temporary on, on, the, on the label, and even uh, Italy allows a claim to be used by products containing uh, products, which is, has been an exception. But, uh, in the last, um, since 2020, um, I believe uh, the, the, the Spanish authorities changed their position, reconsidered their position, and then they uh, formally published a formal position in which they are uh, referring to the any product that is marketed uh, in the EU with using the temporary on the label, they will allow it, and in Spain as well. So it is a national level. What they, they are, let's say their approach are, uh, applies at national level. They will allow it uh, by applying the principle on the mutual recognition. And following that, uh, the last year, the Netherlands and Denmark have come out also with uh, formal positions that you can find on on the website of the authorities and and also in uh, in their own in documents, official documents. Um, we also are seeing other countries, as I mentioned, um, Bulgaria, Greece, Malta, or Poland, who are also uh, allowing the, the use without coming up with a formal position uh, published on a, an official document from, from the governments. But we, we know that this is the case. So uh, these, all these positions apply at national level in these countries. The question is whether this positive trend in which more and more countries are 
very positive and allowing the use of the temporary on labels that uh, on products that can be marketed at national level. The question is whether this uh, will expand or, or not. And we are, of course, looking forward to, to it. So what's been the European Commission's reaction or, or EFSA's reaction to this, if any? Well, uh, at, at the moment, uh, Denmark has um, requested the European Commission to come up with a position, with, with a statement. Uh, when it has been uh, asked uh, also in the Parliament, uh, the European Commission has indicated that it's not really a priority at this point. So not necessarily we're going to see any uh, immediate reaction from the European Commission uh, on this. Uh, and in relation to, uh, to EFSA, well, uh, we see that the science uh, on the benefits of products continues to evolve, and we hope that uh, uh, EFSA will provide a positive opinion in the, in the future. Uh, we see that uh, the evolution on the science of the benefits of probiotics also, and particularly during the pandemic, will further contribute to approved uh, health claims in the future in the EU. So, yeah, we that we want to talk about a little bit about the science and some of the potential health benefits that the studies are showing now. Uh, but just, just on the final point about regulation, so if you're a company um, and you want to market a probiotic in Europe, um, is it the case that, that basically there are some countries where, um, you know, you can basically, uh, well, in general, you can do that uh, as long as you don't make a claim, i.e. put probiotics on the label and you can only put the, um, the particular strain on there. Um, but then in some countries you can, uh, you can now, you know, go a bit further. And obviously, the point is that consumers know increasingly, I think, know what a probiotic is. Um, and, you know, this is helpful communication, whereas they, they might not know all of the strains or whatever, but they but they do know what a probiotic is. So it's good from that point of view for consumers and for companies to be able to point that out on the labels. So if you're a company, basically the situation is um, if you want to put that on your label, then do so in these countries that are allowing that and for, for the foreseeable future, uh, because the European Commission is busy, um, that is probably going to be the case uh, for a while. Uh, yes, well, when when you are, when a company is looking at uh, launching or marketing their products in in the European Union, uh, well, it is recommended uh, in the, to develop a strategy in which you identify what is the situation, uh, so the rules that apply are harmonized in Europe, which is like the case of uh, health claims. If you want to use a health claim uh, in, in relation to any product, you need to uh, look at the positive list, the permitted, uh, the, the list where the permitted health claims have been approved and can be used by uh, food and food supplements. Um, when you are looking at, uh, obviously in this case, the only live microorganisms that have a permitted use is uh, live cultures, uh, yogurt and fermented milk. So um, basically probiotics as such cannot um, uh, include a health claim uh, in, their, in, their, in their products. But when, uh, until very recently, uh, 
as you just mentioned, uh, the possibility that you had uh, it, it was to include just the strain of the uh, microorganism culture in on the ingredient list that that is there that you have to do. But uh, in terms of communication to the consumer, as you just mentioned, the consumer is very familiar with the term probiotic. Uh, food and food supplements containing products are broadly marketed across the EU. But when you want to uh, communicate clearly to the consumer to, uh, to, with a term that they understand very well, which is the term probiotic, uh, now there is a, a, an opportunity not only in Italy and Czech Republic, which is where uh, companies are normally advised to, to start marketing their products, containing products, but also now we have Spain, we have Denmark, we have the Netherlands, and Bulgaria, Greece, Malta, or Poland, where you, you can uh, use this term, which brings um, further opportunities to products to communicate better uh, for consumers. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Counter so far. Just a reminder, you can find all the Farmer Intelligence podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and TuneIn. Please follow our podcasts, share with your friends and colleagues, and comment on episodes you like. All of this helps us to be discovered by others and link with more interesting people to talk to. Moving on to the possible health benefits and then obviously maybe one day associated claims. So what do you see are the main uh, main health benefits of taking probiotics according to the, the kind of science that you mentioned that has come out recently? Well, the very well known for a long time uh, is the the benefits in relation to the digestive health and in the immune system. If we look at um, uh, the, the the evidence around that is clear for a long time. Also, um, the, there is uh, a trend uh, or there are this new evidence uh, linking with uh, benefits to mental health. Uh, to uh, allergies, uh, but uh, particularly is would be digestive health and immune system, which are the most uh, understood, well understood by consumers. So that would be uh, that would be an immediate kind of application for a consumer health uh, product, wouldn't it? Because you know that's something where you're supplementing, you know, maybe maybe somewhere where you're not getting everything that you need from your diet. Um, and then you can take a probiotic to support your general immunity. Well, uh, indeed, consumers uh, are more conscious about their health. Uh, they have been already for 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 many years before the pandemic, and the, and the pandemic has even boosted that further. So when you look at uh, your health, uh, uh, to have an optimal health, you look at uh, strengthening your immune system and probiotics. Uh, the benefits of products uh, are linked to that. Uh, digestive health, which is all interlinked as well. And um, and also uh, recent evidence also linking to, uh, let's say, diets. Uh, so in, in relation to weight control or, 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 or lose weight as well, which is uh, it's also a, a trend or something that is existing there. But at the end of the day, the most let's say understood, uh, best understood at digestive health and, and immune system. And what about the so-called gut-brain axis? So we hear about that a lot, um, the potential for probiotics to help with, you know, uh, cognitive function or even stress or, you know, sleep or, you know, this is very, 
big trend among um, wellness in particular, isn't it, helping with uh, mental health uh, and stress. Is that is there evidence for that now as well? Uh, there is uh, evidence that it has been communicated uh, around it. Uh, let's say that's a, a huge amount of uh, wealth of evidence uh, around probiotics. And well, the, the question is to um, to uh, to look at uh, more into it and see what uh, the opportunities are there. Uh, there is, uh, if we look at across the world, there are health claims approved on in relation to probiotics. Uh, the, uh, the question is uh, to uh, to look at the different opportunities that now, for example, in different um, uh, events uh, organized by the private sector, the newer studies are, are, are presented. And uh, of course, this requires uh, time uh, to get into uh, an action in, in terms of regulation. Yeah, I mean, there's a long way to go from the studies to, you know, having a health claim approved, especially when you, you know, you can't even get probiotics on the label. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, that's, well, that's particularly the case in, in the EU. However, uh, probiotics, for example, uh, there is an international definition uh, established by FAOWHO and, and probiotics as such are defined uh, in following that definition um, uh, in many countries around the world. Uh, as I said, there are there are, is a, a term very well uh, recognized by by regulators. Uh, in the case of the EU, this has been uh, different uh, because it has been linked to uh, to the process of uh, of approving uh, health claims, which we know we understand the, in the EU is uh, is a quite uh, um, uh, quite uh, challenging to to get a health claim approved, not only for for probiotics. Uh, but uh, we are seeing this uh, positive trend, which is very important, that um, more and more regulators at national level in the European Union are uh, are allowing their use because they understand they they will they understand very well the term uh, around it. I believe uh, that the discussion at international level on the proposal to develop a college guidance. Uh, uh, for probiotics for use as an ingredient in food and food supplements has established that, that uh, the term is very well understood by consumers and regulators. So I was going to say you mentioned the guidelines, so when is that coming out or what what stage of, uh, is that in, in the process? Uh, right now it's at a very early stage, a proposal has been uh, presented uh, and the, the international organization called Codex Elementarius that developed international standards on uh, on foods uh, it has to uh, to review it. There is a committee on nutrition, um, and well, due to the pandemic, the whole uh, process has been uh, delayed. Uh, the first meeting that took place uh, on the committee on nutrition uh, took place in, in December last year. And uh, and now we are still waiting to see what what is when is coming the next one. So it's a question of as a process, uh, uh, and well, we hope that uh, perhaps by the end of this year there will be uh, a meeting uh, by the College Nutrition Committee uh, to review it and uh, and potentially uh, uh, approved as a new work. So the first step now is this proposal has to be agreed to start working on it, and then. Uh, it do take uh, some time until, uh, let's say, guidelines would be uh, finalized and, and officially uh, out there. 
And what would be the benefit of having this guideline once it's published? Well, it will help uh, harmonizing uh, the conditions of use of the definition of uh, uh, probiotics, uh, the minimum requirements around probiotics, and also uh, labeling provisions uh, on probiotics. Uh, we see that um, there are many in many countries uh, there are uh, clear um, conditions or provisions or regulations on probiotics, but that's not a majority, uh, and there are differences uh, between these regulations. So uh, these uh, codex guidelines on probiotics would help harmonize it, the the provisions, the requirements, the conditions of use of uh, probiotics around the world. And do you think it would have any impact on um, on the movement with the European Commission and EFSA if, if that was established? Uh, we believe that it's uh, already at the national level. Uh, uh, authorities in the, EU, in the European Union member states are already uh, considering this. And we hope that uh, this will have also a positive uh, effect on the European Commission uh, position. Lovely. Well, I think, yeah, that's that's really covered everything. Uh, it's a good uh, snapshot of what's happening in Europe. So thank you very much, David. Thank you very much, uh, David. And uh, well, I look forward to, to, to the podcast. Thanks for listening to HPW's Over the Counter podcast. Please follow this and other farmer intelligence podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and tune in. And don't forget to check out the HPW Insight website, hpw.farmerintelligence.informa.com, where you can find the podcast as well as insight and intelligence on the global cosmetics, OTC medicines and dietary supplements markets. See you next time.